0: Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and this and every Saturday at this time, we come to you live with conversations about the good news of the gospel, how we engage our culture around us, and more. Uh, My name is Ed Stetzer. I'm the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. But if you're a regular listener to the program, uh, you know that I'm transitioning from being a dean here at Wheaton College, where I'll soon be serving as the dean of the Talbot School of Theology, at Biola University. Now, I also want to tell you that this program, though called Ed Stetzer Live, is actually not live today. I mean, I'm alive, but I'm alive and I'm in Australia. So while you're listening to this, I'm in Australia and it's like 2 a.m. in Australia. So I, as much as I love our guests, I I, I just, the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. show seemed a little much. So with the permission and blessing of our wonderful leaders at Moody Radio, and Moody Bible Institute, you know, Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Uh, they said, let's do some pre-record shows. And um, and one of the great things is, is I, I just it, it created an opportunity because here I am about to start a new role. Uh, I'm going to be moving to California in the next few months, and I've got a whole wonderful group of people that I gonna, I'm going to have the privilege of getting to know, including the new faculty at uh, Talbot School of Theology. Sometimes it's called Talbot Seminary. And, you know, as you know, we, we, we love education here at uh, Moody Radio, you know, Moody Radio, Moody Bible Institute, right? There's that. Uh, I'm at Wheaton now, going to be at Talbot, and we're all partners in this gospel work. And so to be able to talk to some of um, our, uh, my new friends that I'm going to be having the privilege of serving at Talbot is uh, what we're going to do for some of the shows that when, when I'm in Australia. So, uh, so today, our, our guest is, is actually uh, Uche Anazor. Uh, and he's an associate professor of theology at the Talbot School of Theology of Biola, teaches a variety of courses in systematic and historical theology to undergrad students, his current interests include Theological Method, Evangelicalism, and Evangelical Theology, and Spiritual Apathy, which is kind of a maybe a strange topic. That's what we're going to talk about today. He's written several books. Oh, by the way, he got his PhD a week in college, so we're all friends around here. But he's uh, written several books, including his most recent book, which which I'm going to talk about. actually won uh, a significant award. It's called Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. And so thank you so much for joining us here on this uh, pre-recorded program. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, good. Did, did, I, did I do the name correctly? Did I pronounce your name correctly? You nailed it. You nailed it. Good. Yes. Good. That's my goal. My goal is not to be... I mean, here I'm <laughs> meeting new friends. You know, I'm, I'm, we're going to be working together. I better make sure that I pronounce your name correctly and look forward to, to more than just recording a program together, but getting to know you as well. But, but what fascinating uh, timing to write a book... On apathy, and uh, and and again, when people, you know, right now we're kind of coming back from the uh, from the pandemic. We're we're seeing people unsure of how to engage uh, the, the the their Christian faith again in some ways, and so people have really responded strongly to your your book on overcoming apathy. So let's let's start walking through it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit what what you wrote it for and more. And let me just start with this. Um, I mean, apathy, we sort of, I mean, people use the term, I mean, I think everyone knows what the word means, but define the kind of apathy that you're addressing in the book.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I'm mainly focused on the question of why is it that Christian people, those who are, you know, deeply connected to the most meaningful things, most most connected to God and uh, things that matter, why do we find ourselves oftentimes numb or indifferent to the things that define the Christian life. So things like mission, evangelism, prayer, scripture reading. These are the things that we oftentimes find ourselves disconnected from and having a hard time to engage. And so so the apathy that I'm talking about in this book is what I call spiritual apathy, apathy towards the things of God.
0: Yeah, and that's significant. And, and, and yet, you know, I, I've been a Christian... Um, I've been on Christian a long time, decades, and I've been challenged many times. I think of uh, Keith Green's songs that say, "You know, Jesus rose from the dead. You can't even get out of bed, and you don't yep. have your quiet time." And and so, yep. I mean, for as long as I've known Christian life, I've been challenged to uh, both press into spiritual disciplines and more, but also as a pastor, to be to be to be blunt, to sometimes be frustrated that people weren't more engaged. In spiritual disciplines and more, so let's let's talk about some of some of why uh, that is. But let's before we let's walk through a little bit about. I mean, wh- where did you draw from some ideas for people who haven't read the book? Where did you draw from to help kind of shape your understanding of apathy?
1: Yeah, so you know, the book arose from my own desire to sort of understand myself, um, understand especially me in my twenties, where I, I just really felt like apathy was the thing that sort of defined my Christian life. And then, you know, as I've interacted with students in mentoring situations and whatnot, just seeing that this, this is, this is the pervasive issue more than any other issue. I think this is the issue. And so I wanted to figure out what is, what is this thing? And so um, I tried to sort of comb the Christian tradition, as well as some psychological resources and some sort of cultural analysts and and just to try to get a sense of like, what is going on in our souls? And so um some of my most rich uh interactions in terms of uh resourcing came from the from the monastic tradition of all things and in the monastic tradition there there is this vice that we normally call sloth um the greek term for it is something like "Acadia." there's a lot of different ways of pronouncing the term but it's basically sloth and um, it would usually inflict the monk who found himself in a solitary cell It would usually inflict him sometime between, you know, they call it the noonday demon. It it would afflict him between 10 and 2, um, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon. And it would cause him to want to do anything but the thing God has called him to do. And and I thought that was really a profound sort of insight into what spiritual apathy is. It's this desire to basically flee what it is that God calls us to do and god calls us to do a variety of things but we're we're sort of distracting ourselves from those things god has called us to so so apathy is not just sort of like a an indifference to all things apathy is actually highly selective and it's a highly spiritual illness and so Mm -hmm. this sort of foray into the monastic tradition was actually really illuminating for me um to sort of capture that sort of spiritual and sort of selective element of apathy Um, but that was only one of the many resources I tried to sort of comb and get some insights from.
0: Fascinating. And people obviously have responded, uh, well, well, not with apathy. They've responded. I don't know how many apathy jokes I can make in the given show, but, uh, (laughs) you know, know, it's like, what is it? Ignorance (laughs) and apathy. I don't know it. I don't care. You know, all the, I'm sure you've heard all the bad jokes. So I won't, (laughs) I I won't do those. I'll save up all my bad jokes for when we're in person at lunch at the cafeteria there at (laughs) Viola. Um, but, but, uh, but so when, so when you, when you kind of, um, walk through the issue of apathy, Um, how common, how pervasive is this in the Christian life? I mean, because we're going to talk about some of the solutions and addressing those, but how pervasive, because clearly clearly, people, I mean, again, I I think I mentioned it won an award. It actually was the Christianity Today book of the year. So people, like, they care about this subject. They, I mean, no pun intended, but they they care about apathy um, because we're all sort of seeing it. So how pervasive is it?
1: Yeah, I... It's a good question. And it's, it's hard for me to answer. I, I, I yeah. think some of it depends on how we define apathy, right? So if, if we're just mm-hmm. defining apathy as a, as a sort of momentary um, feeling of, you know, I'm, I'm not loving the sermon, or I'm not loving the song, or, you know, today, I didn't have my quiet time, then we're all dealing with apathy all the time. So I, I don't think that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about sort of like these prolonged, strange mm-hmm. periods of time in which we find ourselves just not wanting to engage. So like in our heart of hearts, we know that we should, like we actually do love Jesus in our heart of hearts, but we just find ourselves sort of lethargic towards our Christian faith for a long period of time. And so if that's what we're talking about, I still think that's common. I I, I think that's common. And I, I don't think it has a sort of generational niche. You know, it, it's not like Gen Z is more apathetic than baby boomers are apathetic. I think it might express itself differently and we might overcome it differently. But um, I think it's quite pervasive I, be, because I see it as like as a spiritual illness and it's one of the ways I think the enemy tries to sort of like move Christians away from the things that are so, that are defining and life giving uh, to them and to others and so in terms of can I demographically or even like um, quantitatively measure no I don't know how pervasive it is, it is but my sense is that it's it's among the most pervasive illnesses uh, in our culture.
0: Yeah and it seems that um and again again we're we're talking anecdotally here but as someone who's yeah. engaged in churches and in ministry a lot of pastors tell me that um some people came out of the pandemic and I wrote about this in a column for Outreach magazine if people are interested about how the pandemic has sort of shifted church patterns you know I, and I talk about maybe the the a third of the church got more engaged and more involved and a, a third of the church seems huh. to say the same but a, a third of the church seems to have really disengaged and um, huh. Loosely connected people became mostly, perhaps permanently, disconnected in a way we haven't seen in a, in a long time. So, I, I, when, when I, when I huh. see the book and winning Christianity Today Book of the Year, I think people are struggling with how do we how do we minister to people who maybe don't care as they did maybe five years ago. So, so, uh, yeah. so I want to kind of talk about some of the practical implications. I want to come and walk through some of the content of the book, but is there, is there hope if we're, I mean, probably people listen to Christian radio, they, they may be walking with an apathetic season, but they're also maybe asking, how do I help people who are in apathetic season? Is there hope to engage people who have kind of entered a season of apathy?
1: Yeah, there has to be hope. There has to be hope. Like we, we have to be able to um, paint a vision for our people that, that God does call us to zeal he does call us to that and that's going to look a variety of ways but god calls us to zeal and growth in zeal is actually actually a possibility that change is actually possible because uh i think one of the reasons we find ourselves apathetic and maybe we can talk about this later but one of the reasons we find ourselves here is is because we lose a, a real sense of hope that change actually is possible that growth is possible, that these kinds of things, transformation is actually a real thing in the Christian life. And so we have to be able to hold out hope to our people that change is possible. We have to give concrete examples of people, of, of life change, you know, th- things like that. We all, we obviously have to preach, preach it, preach in ways that, that call our people to God's, to God's standard, to God's call. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think fundamentally, our people are just um, longing for hope, Longing for meaning, and so whatever we can do to sort of connect them back to hope and meaning—that's that's that's part of the pastoral task. But it is possible. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah, it makes change. sense, yeah. and
0: I, and I'm I'm hopeful because I think that's part of what ultimately we want to have and to and to walk through. So, um, so just we've got about thirty seconds. Um, what would be your exhortation for people who themselves are, are experiencing apathy? And we'll unpack it more on the other side, but take about thirty seconds.
1: Yeah. So my. My first exhortation is, is to know that even as an apathetic person, you are still beloved. <laughs> you are still beloved. And God God's grace extends to you to forgive you, to heal you, and to break the chains uh, of apathy. So there's real hope, gospel hope, for those of us who really struggle to care.
0: Good deal. We'll continue our conversation with Uchayanazor in just a moment. He's associate professor of theology at Talbot School of Theology, Malleable University. The book we're talking about is Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. This is a pre recorded show, so we can't take your calls. But again, let me encourage you to pick up the book. It's Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. Stay with us. It's an important conversation, and we're going to continue it in just a moment. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary. But the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at MoodyPublishers.com. Okay, we're back. at Stetzer, live. As I mentioned, I'm li- I'm alive, but I'm sleeping while you're listening to this. I'm sleeping in Australia, doing a tour of Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, uh, and being doing some events there and the Katoomba Easter Convention. So I'll be there for a while. During my time away, I have the privilege of uh, interviewing several guests who were gracious enough to come on and do a pre-record with us, including my guest today, Uche Anazor, is associate professor of theology. Uh, at Talbot School of Theology, Baylor University. Uh, if you heard me in the first segment, you know that's where I'm headed. So I'm excited to get to know some about his work here in conversation. Well, with you, you get to hear it as well. So, all right. So when we when we hear apathy, um, we we define it in different categories, and 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 so certainly it's something that we we want zeal, as you mentioned, and and yet there are mm-hmm. times when that zeal may be stronger than others when we're in a season that's more apathetic or walking in apathy, is that is that sinful? Um, is, in what sense is it? And tell me about how, how we should think about apathy.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think uh, as we... Um, answer the question of whether apathy is a sin, you know, it's a very delicate thing. So even as I wrote the book, I was like, okay, here I come, I need to answer this question, is it a sin? And I know people aren't going to be happy with my answer. But at the end of the day, it is a sin, but it's a sin in a a particular way. So if we view apathy as uh, bondage, to something, something that we can't seem to get, get past, or if we view apathy as a sort of sickness of the soul where we can't seem to find ourselves loving the things that God loves, or if we see apathy as sort of like a sin of omission, then in all these different ways, it apathy is sinful. It's, it's, it's a um, misalignment with who God has sort of designed and called us. To be so, so in that sense, it's sinful. However, I, I think we need to make a distinction between the reality of it being sinful and maybe some of the causes that, that lead to apathy. So, there, there might be a variety of amoral or sort of like innocent external things that, that affect us that, in, in and of themselves, those things aren't sinful, and our engagement with those things aren't sinful, but but they contribute to this malaise,
0: um, the sinful malaise called apathy. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense to me. So one of the things that was uh, for me, you know, I, I came to Christ in uh, you know as a, as a as a youth group age kid. My 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 non Christian family, I got in trouble. My mother sent me to a campus punishment. Met Jesus, changed my life. And I think because I, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't know anything other than the follow Jesus switch being fully on. So um, so what I found was, you know, I I went to high school, started Bible study, went to college, eventually went into ministry, church planner. Um, is I was perpetually frustrated with people who I thought didn't take their faith seriously enough. And, I, you know, part of that's the pastor's job, is sort of encourage people. Uh, but Larry Osborne and I had this conversation once. I think we I interviewed him about it, about it on a prior show. He wrote a book called Accidental Pharisees. He's just down the road from where we're going to be and where you are and I'll soon be in Southern California. Accidental Pharisees, Avoiding uh, Pride, Exclusivity, and Other Dangers of Overzealous Faith— and and you know and and one of the things he said is you got to let people kind of walk at their own pace and you know don't you don't you know overzealous as maybe might describe me at different times and seasons, so how does a person know if they're walking in a kind of spiritually robust right pace and space? Because um, you know for me I might because I, I have this high I, I just have this on switch for spiritual uh, commitment that others might simmer at a different pace. So what, what does that look like, and how do I know when I've crossed into apathy?
1: Yeah, that's good. So, you know, one of the stories I, I always go back to when I, when I think about zeal is, you know, it's not the most pleasant story, but it's, it's, a, it's a biblical story, Numbers 25, and it's the story of Phineas, who's like the grandkid of Aaron, the priest. And so Israel's going through this, this, this season where they're committing all this idolatry and sexual immorality. God sends a plague. And then as the people are mourning this plague, some dude rolls in with, with a, a Midianite woman. And then this man, this priest, Phineas, gets up, and he's like, who is this guy? What What does this guy think he's doing? And so he, he goes, and, he's, and he spears the man and his foreign wife. And then, of all things, God commends him. And he says that Phineas was as zealous for my honor as I am. And, you know, and as I read that story... Uh, I, I, and try to understand what zeal is, I, I, I realize that zeal is, is a number of things. So, so zeal is, is a deep feeling that leads to action, and the action is directed towards something that's significant and meaningful. And all of this reflects God's character. So now, so, so does zeal mean spearing a man? You know what I mean? Obviously, it does not. So w- what is zeal? Zeal is being alive to the things of God being alive to the things that bring honor to God, being awake to God. And so so that can look a number of ways. Being alive to God can mean something like, you know, I'm going to make sure I go to bed on time on Saturday night so that I'm not sleeping through the sermon on Sunday morning. That that that's that's being aware and being alive to the things that God calls me to. It, it might just mean having a, a yes disposition when 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 someone's going to ask us to drive them to the airport or prepare meals for someone at church or you know stack chairs after service. It's it's not about the big things. It's not about being an extrovert. It's not about being outgoing. But it's about being alive to God and alive to the things that God calls us to. so how do we sort of gauge whether we're sort of slipping into apathy well we have to ask ourselves the question like am is my does my heart care in the, in this moment to engage with whatever it might be and has have i been in this place for more than a day or two or three or five if, if it's been a long time then then we're clearly at a place where we're not alive to the things of god we've lost zeal
0: Mm. I, lo- I love that phrase alive to the things of God. That's so uh, so points to it. And 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 yet I'm also encouraged because there are times when I'm less so and and you know there are times when I'm more filled with that sense of zeal. Now in in writing the book you talk to um young Christians about apathy and and also, you know, with your own experiences with it as well. Talk about this. Tell us a little more about what you learned and found in those conversations.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, I hesitate to sort of uh, lay this all at the feet of young Christians or young people because I really don't think it, it, it's their problem. However, um, in my experience uh, in mentoring during my time with Campus Crusade for Christ, I served on staff there for a number of years, um, as well as my time as a, as a professor, I, I have seen that for some reason uh, among, among people who are really sharp intellectually, Who really love the Lord I I I don't I don't have any doubts about that when I ask questions about how are they doing in their spiritual life or how are they doing in certain practices of the spiritual life like the most common refrain is I just I'm not that interested in reading the Bible or I'm just not that interested in church involvement or I'm just not that interested in prayer I just can't get myself up for these things and so that that just to me is 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 perplexing because again if you ask them, can you get yourself up to watch a Lakers game? Can you get yourself up to hang out with your girlfriend or whatever it is? There's no problem. And so it's it's this weird, perplexing selectivity of apathy that that, that, that I find in my own soul and I found in, in the souls of those um, that I've spent a lot of time with, these these, these youngsters, these young people.
0: Yeah, and it, it seems to me that, um, and again, because your, your book was – focused on issues of spiritual apathy, I I might, and again, this is not something you address much, but but for me, it does seem that I've seen a lot of people in the last few years get caught up in maybe they've been discipled by their cable news choices and spiritually shaped by Mm -hmm. their social media and their zeal has gone to sometimes ideological issues rather than yep. spiritual issues as well um so so right. how do we get zeal about the right things and 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 what and is it just me observe that or is that something you've seen as well
1: no i i I think you're right I, I I think um one of the things that can happen is our our zeal can be misdirected or another effect of having sort of a this inundation with things that we should be passionate about what ends up happening is that we treat everything equally and we we treat everything equally meaninglessly so to speak we, we treat everything as equally meaningless is kind of what i'm getting at and so um I, I i do think that's 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 a key factor in dulling our senses to the spiritual we're we're effectively distracted by other things and so how, how do we how do we regain regain a sense of of zeal for the right things i think we need to regain a sense of what truly is meaningful mm. And there are a number of practices and things we can do to sort of try to regain a sense of that. But I I think we need to sort of get recentered and refocused and gain, regain a sense of perspective and proportion. And I think I think a lot of that is lost. But I think a lot of that is lost because we don't take a step back and breathe and actually take stock of our lives, take stock of our values, take stock of who we are, and then sort of re recommit to the things. That really, really matter as as believers, and so there are a number mm-hmm. of things that, that I could recommend. But maybe we could talk about that at, a, at another point. No, I do, I, I do because
0: I do want to. I do want to press in a little bit. Um, the, you know, because I I, I kind of mentioned you know that zeal has just been sort of a, a natural thing for me. But there've been times when you know, just not to make myself the zeal person. There are times when when as a Christian leader, as a pastor, when I'm sometimes just sort of spiritually phoning it in. You know where. Where you know, where I'm, you know, sharing a message, I'm preaching. Uh, yet my own spiritual life is just personally been apathetic. Now most of our listeners are not pastors and church leaders, but but what would you say to those who maybe have some sort of maybe they're volunteers in a church or maybe they're pastors like like I've been, um, whose public leadership is not always as aligned with a vibrant spiritual life personally as they're struggling with apathy.
1: Yeah, I. And, you know, I could be wrong. You know, you're 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 in the in the public eye and doing a lot of this sort of public ministry more than I probably am. But like, but my, my sense is that a lot of what happens is we lose perspective because we we are frankly just too busy, and we're, we're we're suffering from I think it was Cal Newport that says we we suffer from solitude deprivation. This this idea that like we are never alone to our own thoughts, hmm. and so then. You know, for the Christian, it's not just being alone to our own thoughts. We, we, we want to be alone and, and sort of alert to, to God and His Spirit. But if we do not take the time, n- not just in, in terms of like a, you know, a daily, a weekly Sabbath, but even sort of Sabbaths in our day where we sort of sh- shut down the noise and even just drive for 15 minutes without a podcast on, these are the kinds of things that, that help us to sort of like allow our thoughts to arise, allow prayers to arise, and allow us to get reconnected with our lives, reconnected to God, reconnected to meaning. So I, I think a lot of times that's what's going on, is our souls aren't being fed, they're not given time to breathe. And so that, that'd be one
0: recommendation. We're going to talk more about that and really talk about how the gospel is at work in all this as well. Our guest is Uche Anazor. His book is Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. Christianity Today Book of the Year and one of the faculty team members there at Talbot School of Theology. We're going to continue on the other side and press in on some of these issues of how the gospel changes apathy. We are back. It's Ed it's, it's Live. Uh, a reminder if you just joined the program, I'm actually sleeping in Australia, but we have pre recorded this program. And really, it's it's been a fascinating conversation with Uche Anazor. He's a professor at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, a uh, new colleague I'm looking forward to getting to know. And he was gracious enough to come and pre record with us his new book, Christianity Day Book of the Year. Uh, I can't ever say that about any of my books. I just want to throw that out there. Um, but overcoming <laughs> apathy. Like, I, I, I sort of wonder, Uche, like, 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 how do you find that out? Is there like a, is it like an Academy Awards where someone surprises you, or did someone just, did you just find out about it online? Or, I mean, that's a pretty big thing. How did you learn about it?
1: Honestly, Ed, it's the most anticlimactic thing I've ever experienced in my life. You know, it, it was basically I woke up one morning, and then a colleague sent an email to my other colleagues here at Biola saying, "Hey, congratulate Uche on winning Book of the Year," and I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know my book was." In the running for book of the year. That's and so. So then
0: funny. I, I I clicked the link, and I was yeah. like, oh, there it is. Well, so there's not like an award ceremony where you you don't walk the red carpet or anything like that. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't I don't have any. I I was I was runner up in Outreach Magazine, which I later became the editor of. I was outreach. I was runner up or something like that yeah. for book of. So I so I'm like I've only I've always been just the bridesmaid, never the bride. But here you are, the, the <laughs> book of book of the year.
1: So. I guess I was the bride, but there 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 was no pomp and circumstance for the bride.
0: Well, when 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 I get out there, we're going to have to do because it's 2023, and so you know I'll still be there. I'll be starting the job in 2023, so we'll have to have a we'll get a red carpet out, and you'll. You'll love that, I know. But (laughs) let's do it. I I love that kind of attention. Yeah, yes, that's what Scott 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 Ray Scott Ray, our mutual friend, said. uh, Yeah, you know, Uche won the award, and he's like, he's the attention's been a little much for him, but it's. uh, but, but But that's good. I I love I love it's probably best that way because you know. But but again, it's fascinating to me. And again, it shows how much we do care, is that a book of the year would be something around the idea of, of, of apathy. So to remind everybody of the title, Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. So um, talk to us a little bit about how um, this impacts and is related to spiritual maturity. Um, is this something that uh, happens when you're young in the Lord, when you're new in the Lord? Is this something that happens because you've just become familiar? You've walked with the Lord a long time, you get apathetic. Talk, what is it? What's the relationship?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I I have a, a, an inkling that um, one of the main causes of our apathy, and I don't really address this much in the book, actually, but one of the main causes is this idea that familiarity does breed contempt, mm-hmm. right? So it's so sad that Christians are are those who are Deeply connected to like the most significant things in the universe, like literally in the universe, the gospel and Jesus, eternal life and these kinds of things. But we hear it all the time. And if you listen to Christian radio, you listen to Christian songs, you're inundated with meaningful things all the time. But meaningful things become familiar and familiar things become contemptible, so to speak. And so I, I think something is at play there that over the course of time, we can, if we don't guard ourselves, we can just become bored.
0: Bored by big things. Hmm. I see that as well. Like, even, even, like for me, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, you know, I preach at different churches, and, and, but when I'm at my home church, I, I have to intentionally, and I'm guessing this is true for a lot of people. You've been a Christian for 20 years, you've probably heard. And it's not a lot of new stuff. matter of fact, you probably should get nervous right. if you're hearing a lot of new stuff at church. Um, it's like somebody's right. making up new stuff. Um, uh, but but so how yeah. do I stay? so for me, I intentionally, like, for example, I take notes and and uh, and I don't, you know, as a, as a as a preacher and a pastor myself, i don't I never seek to critique someone else I'm listening to. I just want to what does the Lord have for me in this? But I really have to intentionally do that. Because I've 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 preached these topics. I've heard sermons, and so has probably many of our listeners who've maybe been Christians for for decades. So how how do you not get take the, you know, get get bored by this amazing these amazing truths that have become mundane to your life?
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, I, I think each of us
1: have to figure out what 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 that's gonna look like. So so for instance, um, I think one of the things we need to do is recognize that the Christian life really isn't about learning new things. And so oftentimes when you ask someone, so how was that class, you know, Bible class at Biola or, or how was that sermon or how was church? The, the, the response we give is either um, tied to how great the feeling was or if I learned something new. And I think both of both of those things are just are just misguided and they set us up for disappointment. So first we we just need to get rid of the idea that like we're going to church to hear something new. That's just not what's what's happening. We're, we're, we're going to church most often to be reminded and reconnected to things that we already know. And so then how do we do that in, in a way that still brings life and it's not just boring? So, you know, for me, the most helpful thing um, in taking in sermons has has actually been having to go to like my my small group or life group after service and reflect on the sermon. Because then even if my mind was completely in a in a in a distant land while the sermon was happening, I, I have to like re-engage the sermon in some way, shape, or form later. And so then as I engage the sermon later with with my small group, all these things are sort of coming together. I'm, I'm actually hearing the sermon anew through the lens of all these people that I'm in community with, and so the sermon actually starts to um, gain, you know, take root in my heart in a way that that wouldn't have if I simply just thought the service was about me getting something new. I didn't get anything new. All right, useless, boring. I don't care anymore. That, that right. kind of thing. And so right. I I think there are different practices that, that that each of us have to sort of try to like implement to sort of address what's going on with each of us uniquely. And that that for me is whats is what I've done.
0: That's good. I, and I think there's a beauty to embrace the mundane nature of the Christian faith and to rest and to walk in the beauty of that. I think it's hard sometimes for people, but it, it, it does. I mean, again, constantly searching for, uh, you know, new experience, new, new whatever else it may be probably is just not particularly helpful. But but again, the subtitle of the book, the full title of those listing is Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. Let's talk some about that gospel hope. How does the gospel address apathy in general and maybe even some applications to it specifically?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the gospel helps to orient us in our fight against apathy. So what I have in mind here is um, for many of us, the way that we experience apathy is we we experience it as this sort of um, bondage or this sort of um, like sort of like we're captive to it. And so, so what? So what? The gospel does is is the gospel says, wait a second, no, no, Jesus has come, and he really has set the captives free. Like we're we're not in bondage to any sin or any vice. We're actually not in bondage as Christians. That that that's the truth of who we are. And so then. My responsibility is to live by faith. And so, by, and so so faith says, faith grabs a hold of the gospel, the gospel that tells me that um, not only am I forgiven of my apathy, but I'm actually set free, like as a fact. And so then now, you know, the the, the, the proverb um, in, in the King James that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so, so is he, right? And so as we think about who we are, at, um, that orient that orients us to toward the fight against apathy. So, if I see myself as a captive who's effectively a victim, then it's going to be hard for me to to even conceive of what steps I can actually take to uh, bring bring sort of freedom and healing from apathy.
0: Fascinating, fascinating. Okay, so so how then do we fight against it? How do we push against it? Is there biblical advice that undergirds that? Tell us more.
1: Yeah. So. I, I think the fundamental way we we address apathy is is through um through the cultivation of I don't want to call it virtue because virtue just sounds so boring and academic but like we, we do need to cultivate virtue like biblical fruit we'll, we'll call it that or or cultivate a certain sort of way of being as Christians right so um, in the book I talk about how um, we need to sort of perform particular kinds of practices that develop certain kinds of habits that develop our hearts so so we effectively become what we do and so combating apathy is it, we combat through cultivation and so I think many of us would love to be able to, to, to find that silver bullet that that sort of magic thing that, that sort of gets rid of apathy in our lives but I, I think the reason why apathy creeps in and it, uh, is because we've ceased to be certain kinds of people and so the way that we that we become, uh, those who aren't maybe prone to apathy, or those who aren't stuck in apathy, is we need to become a certain kind of person. And so, and so, I I encourage you know five sort of virtues for us to cultivate in the book. So I talk about cultivating honesty, cultivating. Uh, meaning, among other things. And so maybe we can talk about that.
0: Yeah, let's, let's we're going to come back and talk about that in just a second. And again, you're listening to Ed Stetzer Live. We're talking about overcoming apathy, gospel hope for those who struggle to care. And we're going to continue our conversation and talk, well, walk through some of those five things uh, with you in just a moment. Thanks for listening. Hey, we're back. One more segment with Uche Anazor. We're talking about his award-winning book. See, I'm going to be working with award-winning <laughs> people. I mean, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to think about this. Uche, it's like, I'm just so excited about this. I know, I'm, I know, you love me, embarrassing you like this, but, but uh, the award-winning author, Overcoming Apathy. And see, I care about a book named Overcoming Apathy. Overcoming Apathy gospel hope uh, for those who struggle to care. So uh, we you just just before we had the break, you were talking, you were about to go through that list of five. Go, go through the list of five.
1: Yeah. So toward the end of the book, I, I, I want to get practical. And so um, I'm encouraging Christians to cultivate certain kinds of virtues or postures as a way of overcoming apathy. So I, I encourage us to occur, uh, sorry, to cultivate affection for God. And maybe I can say more about that. Cultivate honesty, Cultivate meaning, cultivate generosity, and cultivate fortitude, and these are all things that I think actually combat the the deep and underlying causes of our of our apathy.
0: Yeah, unpack them. Unpack them. We got time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I think I'll, I'll give an example. So, so, so I think one of the fundamental issues we're, we're dealing with is, is is a lack of a sense of meaning. Right. So. Um, when we look at sort of all the sort of triviality that we're, we're sort of inundated with, what, what ends up happening is we, we, we start to treat the meaningful and the meaningless equally. And so we, we lose this sense the sense of meaning. You know, it, it, was, it was Neil Postman, I think, when he, he talked about uh, how the public has adjusted to incoherence and, and has been, you know, amused into indifference. And I, th- I think to some degree, like, that's where we're, that's where we're at. Uh, and so what do we need to do to sort of combat the sort of loss of meaning? Um, I, I suggest a number of things. Let, let me just give a couple. So if meaning, meaning loss is an issue, then one of the things we need to do to cultivate meaning is we need to and I think I mentioned this earlier, we, we we need to slow down and take silence and take Sabbath seriously. But we take them seriously as 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 a way to sort of reconnect with ourselves, to reconnect with our calling. You know, in, in my Christian life, the, the, the times that I feel most connected to like what I'm doing in my day-to-day are, the, are those times that I'm consistent in actually like journaling and writing and thinking about my day, even if it, if it just means at the end of a week, just recounting the events of the week and being able to step back and look at, okay, so what is God doing? And is this and the, and the things that I'm doing, are these consistent with what I sense God has for me? You know, the various assignments God has for me. But we can't get to this sort of sense of like meaning and personal meaning without slowing down. So that, that's one thing I suggest. I, I suggest things like, you know, trying our best to read long form media every now and again. So I, I think one of the habits we've cultivated, and it's not necessarily wrong, is a lot of our media that we, that, that we take in are, are sort of short form, um, quick opinion pieces that aren't necessarily awesome, but <laughs> not the greatest. Right. Um, right. But, but that's a lot of the media that I take in. And so we w- want to be able to cultivate um, the ability to be able to like track an argument, read a meaningful piece of long form literature. And I'm not talking about like long books. I'm talking about just like an article that has an argument and then you're following, following, following the argument to the end. This, this, again, this, this helps to cultivate a sense of like the meaningful, the deep, the significant rather than the trivial. You know, there are mm-hmm. things like um, practicing gratitude and scripture I think s- presents gratitude as this sort of thing that, um, Undercuts the trivial. The gratitude connects us to to God and to and, and and to what God has given given to us and given to us to do. And so, anyway, there are a number of things I could mention, but I, I think even as we just think about one aspect, the loss of meaning, there are a number of things we can do to cultivate a renewed sense of meaning and mission in our
0: lives. Yeah, I think that's helpful, and I think that's a key thing. Again, in in the book, I want to encourage people to pick it up. It's Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care, and obviously folks like it so much, it's the Christianity Today Book of the Year, and um, I think you'd find it helpful as well. So, okay, so we're coming to the end of the program. We have a few minutes, but one of the things—I mean, can you move from spiritual lethargy? Someone's maybe got the radio on in the background, but they're listening, like, you know, I mean— Maybe the rate me having the radio on is the, is the height of my spiritual journey. So, can we move from spiritual lethargy to being more zealous in our faith? I, I think we can.
1: And you know, it's interesting like the in the sort of monastic literature when, they, when they're talking about sloth, um, their, their recommendation for the, for the monk who wants to flee their cell and sort of give up on their calling, the recommendation is almost like remarkably unhelpful, but, but it basically is stay in the cell and persevere. And on, on the surface, that's kind of like lame, it's just like persevere in order to be able to persevere. Um, not really that helpful, but I think it is actually, because I, I, th- I think w- what they're getting at is this idea that the only way to move forward is by baby steps. It's by it's by persisting in the things that we know we're called to do. Even when we don't feel it, even when we feel like this is not getting us anywhere, th- these are the very things that, that shape a heart. Um, I know, I know many of the listen, listeners are probably familiar with like the the, the old 80s movie, The Karate Kid. And, and in The Karate Kid, you know, Daniel is learning all these, these random, seemingly random practices that, that, that seem completely unconnected or disconnected from like him becoming a karate kid. You know what I mean? But he, there's, there's this poignant scene where he, where he realizes all these things that he's been doing, these practices have become habits. He's able to do them instinctively, but then he realizes, oh, these habits are the very thing that will help me in combat. In in the Christian life, there are all these things that we do that seem on the surface because we're not feeling it. They seem disconnected from forming us into the kind of people that we want to be, but they are the actual things that we need to persevere in, in order to become the people that we want want to become. And so if that's Bible reading, if that's church involvement, if that, whatever it might be, we need to persist in it and persist in it in hope. That God, by his spirit, will actually bring us to life.
0: Mm. Embrace the mundane. You know, that long obedience in the same direction, you know, that, that uh, using Peterson. Embrace the mundane, yet yeah. Yeah, persistently. And that shapes us. Those rhythms shape us. And that's what, we, I mean, 2,000 they years do. of church history, you know, in the last few decades, we seem to be chasing the hype. But that's not what Christian faith looked like for for centuries. No. Um, all right, yeah. so so we got time. Also, though, so maybe someone's listening and like, all right, I I think I'm at a good place with zeal and you know walking through working through apathy, but what about someone I, I love and I care for? How can I help them if they're struggling? How can I help them find that zeal in Christ that maybe they've lost?
1: The obvious answer is buy the book, right? Okay, no, yeah. but beyond beyond yeah. beyond buy the book, like,
0: <laughs> and I w- yeah. I will recommend that overcome apathy, yeah, there, buy it, there, and, there and slip go. it in there, <laughs> slip it under their pillow. <laughs>
1: no, I I I would say like. People need, people need a, a, a someone to walk beside, right? So, so mm-hmm. people need to have a place where they're able to to be honest, but also a place where they're able to be called higher. So we can walk beside beside people, and, and one of the things that, that we can do is we can walk beside and give people concrete baby steps to take towards zeal. Don't have an overblown picture of what zeal looks like, but but have a concrete sort of incremental goal and then have some baby steps in terms of practices that that, that you hold people to. So for instance, uh, in mentoring people, I'm, I'm trying to move toward the, the practice of like, okay, let, let's memorize scripture together. It's hard, I haven't done it in 10 years, but let, let, let's do it together as a, as a way of taking a baby step towards being recommitted to the word of God. And so we take the baby step and in two weeks, maybe we can memorize ten verses, and that's that's fantastic. It's a concrete goal, but it's a concrete goal that moves us towards the kind of people that we actually want to be. It's not all. It's not. It's not about scripture memory. It's about moving toward being alive to the things of God.
0: Mm. Uh, thirty seconds. You'll if you hear the music playing, don't worry about it. But thirty seconds. What exhortation would you give to the Christian who says, "I want." I, w- I want to encourage them to get a copy of Overcoming Apathy. But what's the first step they can take? Um, first step to- towards. Overcoming apathy, apathy, Uh, towards moving into a more zeal for the Lord.
1: Yeah. So the, the first step is do not see yourself as a lost cause. Do not see yourself as in God's trash bin. God is for you. God is with you. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings forgiveness and healing. The power of the Holy Spirit brings change. So you can engage with God, but engage with him step by step by cultivating a certain posture. Don't don't be passive. Be active. But but as you're active, trust in the fact that God is actually at work in you to will and to do the things that He's actually called you to do in your life.
0: Fascinating and helpful conversation. Well, one of this is the longest fun fact, listeners. The longest conversation I've had with anybody one on one at Talbot School of Theology. So this is like my beginning what? introduction to the I know, isn't that crazy? I mean it was always in <laughs> I'm groups. The guy. You are. Man. I mean I met in groups of people or I, you know and so this is this is super. So uh, and I, I look forward to getting to know you as well. We'll be moving out there of course in July and looking forward to getting to know you better. And let me say thanks to Uche Anazor for writing this really helpful book, Overcoming Apathy. Gospel hope for those who struggle to care. And let me thank our team here at Moody Radio. Behind the scenes, Karen Hendren, our producer, engineer, Courtney Young. We didn't have anybody on the phones today, but we're really thankful for our phone team usually working hard on these days. But again, thanks you for listening. Uh, again, a pre-recorded episode as I'm in Australia. Pray for us as we're doing Lausanne events, Exponential events, and the Katoomba Easter Convention as well. Let me remind you that Ed Stetzer Live, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all just at Ed Stetzer Live. If you want to follow along the program, you can do that, know what's coming up. And also you can subscribe as a podcast. Maybe you're not always listening on Saturday, you can listen on Tuesday, wherever you want to. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, and Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Let me encourage you to walk in the zeal of the Lord and walk through that journey of apathy to find true strength and peace in Him. Thanks for listening.